When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. These are our first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country, or those who die in the line of duty or are severely injured, and our veterans who fought for our nation's freedoms only to return home fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel the Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel the Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young kids, severely injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody. Monday edition of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. We've got a lot to talk about. It is quite a day on the immigration front. The U.S. Senate, I guess the only Senate we'd really be talking about, releases a draft of a $118 billion bill. What is the breakdown and what is, beyond just the dollars and cents, what are some of the provisions that are in this bipartisan Senate? Uh, it's not just a border bill. It's an Israel and Ukraine and U.S.-Mexico border bill. And if you're wondering, what do those things have in common? Yes, very important question, and we will address that in a little bit. Plus, uh, the U.S. kills an estimated 34 Iran-backed militants. Uh, in, in Iraq after that strike on the U.S., the drone strike on the U.S. base in Jordan. Uh, New York City is handing out $53 million in prepaid credit cards to quote migrant families, uh, which is a, a remarkable way to try to bring down illegal immigration. Uh, truly, literally giving out free money to people. Just giving out money. Why not? Give them prepaid credit cards. Uh, Abbott, Greg Abbott of Texas gonna tour the border with 14 other governors. And we've got, uh, more here to dive into as well. But Clay, I, I think biggest thing we're looking at today, biggest thing right now, the breakdown of this border bill. A lot of people, they could have, there's so much here. They could have shown us some of this, or it's a, almost 300 pages, I think. It's a roughly 300 page bill. They could have released, 370 pages, I think. They could have released this. Uh, in advance so that people would be able to see, no, what they did was tell us things aren't in it that are. They tried to prepare the battlefield in advance with propaganda to convince people things are true that are not. The part of this that I think is the hardest for a lot of, well, actually, no, there's a lot of parts of it that are hard to swallow for the uh, American public, but at least anyone who's paying attention. $60 billion for Ukraine. Remember, I said in February of 2022 that we're going to end up spending a trillion dollars on Ukraine. I think that's very much where we're going to end up. 60 billion for Ukraine, 14 billion for Israel, 
and 20 billion for border security. Let, let's start with this one, Clay, because I think the most obvious question is, why is it that more money is being spent on Ukraine than our border? And also, why are these things tied together? Yeah, I think this is the, this is the ultimate screw you to anybody who believes that we should be focused on America right now. And I think you can break all these down individually and you should have votes on them all individually. For instance, it seems that there is a consensus right now that Israel does deserve American support. I believe that there has been in the House a bill passed that would give Israel around $15 billion in support as they are defending themselves against Hamas and as the ongoing process in Gaza plays itself out. I think most Americans are in favor of that right now. The House has already passed it. Um, the, the border bill is... It's unbelievable how bad it is and that Biden would suddenly show up in 2024 after eight or nine million illegals have entered into the country and try to get a new bill done, which doesn't really change the existing dynamics. It would still allow millions of people to illegally enter the country. Uh, the 5,000 a day uh, shutdown of the border. Why don't we just shut down the border before anybody gets here? I mean, that seems like the very logical proposition. And then all of this money for Ukraine, and and what I would come back to again and again on this, Buck, is I don't understand the argument in favor at this point of us giving hundreds of billions of dollars more to Ukraine. And Mike Lee had a great tweet, uh, the senator from Utah. We're giving Ukraine in this bit budget bill, uh, this bill, the border bill, everything rolled in together that just came out in the Senate, Buck, we're giving Ukraine more money than we spend on the United States Marines every year in the United States. And this is not talking about all the money we've already given me, given them. That was a wow moment for me. I believe the Marine budget, according to Mike Lee, $53 billion a year. This bill would give Ukraine $60 billion. So we are giving Ukraine just in this bill alone more than we spend on the United States Marines every year in the United States. That was a wow moment for me and to, and Buck, this is key. And you've and I I think have been driving this point home for some time as it pertains to Ukraine. There is no threat beyond Ukraine. Vladimir Putin is not going to invade another country. Now you can believe we should provide uh support for Ukraine. That's fine. But the argument of if we don't do this then Putin is like Hitler, and he's going to storm into another country and take that too. No, no, that is not going to happen. That has not been a logical argument from the start. Again, you can argue you want to support Ukraine, but that we have to do it because otherwise Putin is Hitler is not a sales point, is not a pitch that I think makes sense. So here we have, uh, you mentioned this in the bill, the secretary shall activate the border emerg I'm reading from the bill, the border emergency authority if during a period of seven consecutive calendar days, there's an average of five thousand or more aliens who are encountered each day, or on any one calendar day, a combined total of eight thousand five hundred or more aliens are encountered. Um th- this is saying, okay, look, we can basically handle two million of these illegals a year and that's the way it's going to be. This is the compromise position. I mean, my math is a little off there, but uh, this is the compromise position that supposedly Senate Republicans and Democrats have worked out. And also, uh, if you look at another... So they're basically saying you're allowed to have 5,000 a day or up to 5,000 a day, which is a, which is a ton. Um, right now, it's more like eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 a day, but... It's still far too many to have 5,000 a day. The real way to handle this is to say no illegals. How about that? No, no more people coming into the country illegally, full stop. And the president needs to take that action. Now, Biden won't do it. We understand that. But the next president could. And that's the only way to really start to turn this thing around. Also, they say, Clay, that the United, this, this, this got a lot of attention. The United States District Court for D.C., 
shall have sole and original jurisdiction to hear challenges, constitutional or otherwise, to the validity of this section or any written policy directive, written policy guideline, etc., under the secretary to implement this section. So they want the D.C. Circuit to be the ones to determine solely whether what DHS does under this authority is constitutional. That should be concerning because D.C., unfortunately, is overrun with left-wing activist judges. Uh, but the whole thing is a it's a disaster on every level. And for anyone who doesn't see that, Joe Biden saying this is great. So the guy who has let in seven million illegals already by removing all of the Trump policies that were stopping this massive flow is now saying, you know what? I like this Senate bill. This has got some good stuff going on. I think that tells you all you really need to know. I think an easy answer that I would love to hear from Joe Biden is. Why in 2024, and obviously the answer is because an election's coming, and of all the issues that are out there, Biden is underwater more on this one than any. Trump has, Buck, I believe it's a 35-point lead right now on who would handle the border better in an NBC News poll that came out over the weekend. And so this is an attempt, I think quite clearly, to muddy the waters and try to argue, oh, sure, immigration's an issue, but we tried to fix it, and Republicans refused, we passed a bill, we tried to get bipartisan immigration reform, I'm just telling you exactly what his argument's going to be in 2024, and he's going to try to uh, push some of the blame for the disaster onto the Republican Party. And, and I think the politics of this are are critical to keep in mind, because the only check on this madness is to take power out of the hands of people who have done this when it comes to, we have an open border, okay? People who say we don't have an open border are living in a fantasy land or they're lying to you. Because all you have to do is show up and say, I want asylum, I'm scared to go back to my home country. Now, there are some provisions, for example, in this bill that are repetitions of existing law, which I guess they just didn't figure that out. For example, you know, as, as part of the credible fear screening process for migrants at the border, they have to ask them, did you try to get asylum somewhere else first? Well, guess what? That's already the law. None of the people who are coming here transiting through Mexico, because they're not Mexicans, by the way. I mean, very, very few of them. None of the people who are coming from the rest of the world have a legitimate asylum claim as they pass through Mexico from whatever other, whatever other country they're from, unless they've stopped in Mexico and tried to get asylum first. That's just one one place where the law is being ignored on this. Uh, so the, the bill, I think, is every bit as bad as we all anticipated it would be. It effectively allows the catastrophe to continue as a matter of law at a slightly lowered level, but not even really. Um, and I think that there needs to be accountability. Why, in the last year of Biden's term, why are we going to let them salvage their numbers and, and cre- construct a narrative that all of a sudden they're... They're serious about this. I mean, Clay, it's like they've let the house flood, you know, already two feet. And now they're saying, well, we'll stop the last six inches because we take this seriously. It's outrageous. Yeah. And we should mention, if we didn't already, that the Speaker of the House has said this bill is dead on arrival and they're not even going to allow a vote in the House. But that would suggest that there are the votes to pass it in the Senate, which is, I think, frankly, pathetic. Um, and there should be 40 Republican senators, given the fact that there are ostensibly 49 Republican senators who would stand up against this bill being able to be passed. I can't believe that any Republican would be in favor of this. And again, just look at the basic math of it. Um, they're basically locking in 2 million illegals a year forever, right? And, uh, and, and so, admittedly when things are bad a decision to confirm forever some of the awfulness is not an improvement and so i don't understand how any republican could be looking at this and saying oh this makes a lot of sense this would solve things if anything this would write into law some of the awful failure at the border and actually embolden biden to maintain that going forward and make republicans complicit Correct. The, the the border disaster is an entirely Democrat creation. Get ready for all the ads. Trump, his team, they're going to be running them. Biden pulling back everything that Trump did as soon as he came into office. He tr- <coughs> he tried to freeze 
for deportations. He got rid of Remain in Mexico. All these different things, everything that Trump was doing to help control the border wasn't perfect, but it was getting a lot better. Everything that he was doing, Biden pulls out right away, pulls pulls away and says, we're not doing that. And now we're going to be at 8 million. I mean, think about that alone. Hey, vote for me, guys, because the other guy let 8 million illegals pour into the country, threatening to bankrupt the budgets of places or you know, bankrupt cities because of the budgetary stresses like New York and Chicago and, and others. They can't handle this. And all you have to do is say, the other team did this. They chose this. Senate Republicans are going to come along and say, you know what? We're going to work with them to try to fix things in the election year. I it I don't know if it's intentional uh, malpractice, uh, if they're being obtuse on purpose, if they just want the donor checks to keep flowing. But the notion that this is good politics to me is crazy. It's crazy. I mean, they've already let in about seven million. What we're gonna we're gonna hand them a political win so they can slow it down to half a million instead of a million in the final stretch. Why? It's it's madness, and I I'm just disappointed how few people seem to understand this and are basically going to give Biden at least an argument that he tried to solve the border and Republicans wouldn't do it. I don't think it's going to work, but I think everybody needs to prepare themselves for that is the argument he's going to make over the next nine months as we sit exactly nine months right now from Election Day, Buck. It's amazing how fast this is uh, coming up. And something else is coming up really fast, too. The big game, everybody. We are less than a week away. So if you love playing fantasy sports, take the sports action to the next level with prize picks. Number one daily fantasy sports app. I'm really into it now. I mean, I've been using it for weeks and it's a lot of fun. And, uh, one thing I know I've learned, Clay, I'm better at picking tennis scores than I am or tennis stats than I am at football. But that's why you're here, buddy. Cause this big game, we got to come away with a big, with a big W here in terms of the picks that we're going to make because you can turn $10 into $250, the prize picks. Just select two or more players, pick more or less based on their projection, place your entry. They've got one obvious pick this Sunday. Uh, this Sunday, will Patrick Mahomes pass for more than one yard on Sunday? I'm I'm feeling confident about that one. So, very good. You should be very confident about that one for sure, Buck. Thank you. I'm learning. Yes. Prize Picks has quick withdrawals, a huge selection of players. Clay, when are you giving us like the the, the the Clay Travis Super When do you here. think I should do it? Should I do it on Thursday or Friday? I will be in Vegas for the Super Bowl. I get out there, I'll do the show Thursday and Friday. What's the better tease? I, I think you do Friday. I mean, sorry, Thursday, so then you can reiterate on Friday and make okay, sure that's a good idea. their picks aligned. Yes. Or if they want to go against you, so then they can have bragging rights and write you emails making fun of you afterwards. That's a good point, too. They'll know about it, yeah. So go to Prize Picks for uh download the Prize Picks app. That's the way to do it. Download the Prize Picks app. Promo code BUCK. Prize Picks app. Download or now. Get ready for the big game on Sunday. Promo code BUCK. Stay on top of election news with 24 from Clay and Buck, a weekly podcast you can find on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833 833- 995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? 
It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You'll get the same quality of service as AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, but for half the cost. The average size family saves almost $1,000 a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can keep your cell phone number and your phone or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values, who supports our military and veterans, creates American jobs, and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Go to puretalk.com slash buck to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash buck. Welcome in, hour number two, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. The video feed is fixed, and as a special treat, you never know who might show up on video. Buck has got Ginger, very cute Australian shepherd? Australian Labradoodle. Labradoodle. Labradoodle, Australian Labradoodle. I have James. His mom, Katie, is my IT guy. She figured out all of the video issues during that commercial break. And now, if you are watching on the Clay and Buck VIP feed, you are getting to see six-month-old James making his TV debut sitting in my lap right now. Oh, he's gurgling, cooing. So he is... Yeah, there we go. You never know (laughs) what might happen on this show. He is a real cutie. Um, And he is happy to have all of you able to hear him on the radio so he's fantastic his mom is fantastic james says hi to everybody he's just learning how to wave so he was waving at everybody uh but we got a lot to dive into here buck chaos at the border we've got an nbc news poll that is out the trump jack smith case officially off the calendar as we told you that it would be going to be probably now a struggle to be able to get that case done before and re- resolved completely. Uh, Robert Hur, the special counsel report that is potentially coming, Axios dropped that news. But I wanted to, and we said the border deal is dead on arrival. Did we read that statement that came out about 20 or 30 minutes ago from all the leadership in the House? Uh, they came out and just effectively said they're not even going to bring that to the floor. And so that is officially all uh, a, a dunzo in that respect. What they tweeted uh, in a joint statement, Speaker of the House Johnson, Steve Scalise, the GOP Majority Whip, and Elise Stefanik, they said any consideration of the Senate bill in its current form is a waste of time. It is dead, all caps, on arrival in the house. So that is the latest on the border bill, Ukraine and also uh Israel. All that rolled together which is in front of the Senate right now. Also Donald Trump on truth. Only a fool or a radical left democrat would vote for this horrendous border bill which only gives shutdown authority after 5000 encounters a day. When we already have the right to close the border now, we've got to do it people. We've got to do it. Probably this bill is a great gift to the Democrats. And a death wish for the Republican Party. It takes the horrible job the Democrats have done on immigration and the border, absolves them, and puts it all squarely on the shoulders of Republicans. 
Don't be stupid in all caps. So that I'm actually, I was actually reading from Trump's uh, Truth Social counter. That was that unreal. wasn't Trump himself. Just in case it wasn't he's just actually tuned in. Trump. Unfortunately, next time it will be. Uh, so yeah, but he's he's saying basically this thing is dead on arrival, and they should fix the border and make America great again. That's at the bottom. So all of that uh, is going on now. I wanted to play for you because the Democrats had their first primary with Joe Biden on the ballot. He won by a substantial majority, and afterward, James Clyburn, South Carolina congressman who endorsed Joe Biden in 2020 and effectively made Biden the nominee and then essentially made him president as well, he said, this has turned into a big talking point, that black voters, in addition to Hispanic voters and Asian voters and white voters, a lot of people moving away from Joe Biden, James Clyburn says, that's not true Here is cut one. There had been some concern about whether he has maintained his standing with black voters. Based on what you saw last night, what's the answer? I think the answer is an emphatic yes. And the best illustration of that, he got 96% of the vote in this primary, but his largest percentage, over 97%, was in the town of Orangeburg, where there are two HBCUs and a community college, and he got the largest percentage of the whole state. So that demonstrates to me what I've been saying all the time, that Joe Biden has not lost any support among African Americans. Okay, do you buy that, Buck, question one? And question two, when you look at the numbers, and again, just raw numbers, only a quarter of the Democrat turnout in 2024 came out for Biden compared to in 2020, even in a contested primary of 2020, Biden got more voters than he did in 2024. Now, Democrats say, oh, that's because it wasn't really that much of a contest, although Marianne Williamson and Dean Phillips were on the ballot as well. Is the rig job in effect? Because when I saw this, I said, hmm, this makes me think maybe a 100,000 Democrat voters show up in the Republican primary and try to embarrass Trump and vote for Nikki Haley. Do you buy it? What was your takeaway from the results that we got on Saturday? Well, on the, on the first issue of, uh, Biden's support among, among black voters and in the black community, um, this was from, uh, let me see. This is from the end of last year. Uh, so basically right going into the first week of December, NBC news polling, Biden's net approval rating among black voters had dropped 20 points over the course of the year from plus 46 to plus 27. Um, and 61% uh, of this in this survey approved of Biden. 34% said they disapproved of Biden. So his numbers are still, were still good um, in, in general terms, right? But not good for a Democrat president who wants to win reelection. Or, you know, when you look at Biden's overall approval number, He's it's 34 percent approval basically right now or 35 percent or maybe 37 depends on which poll you look at. Whereas uh, among the black community it was 61 percent. I think it's probably dropped a bit since then. Um, but I would just say this. It's it's going the same way that it turns into a binary uh, for people who are uncertain about Trump and maybe wanted uh, DeSantis or Nikki. I mean, all the DeSantis people are basically already. Yeah, all in on Trump, but. Uh, maybe some of the Nikki Haley people, some of the, were there Chris Christie voters? I don't know, a few hundred of them at least nationwide. <laughs> uh, they're, they're a little more up for grabs, uh, shall we say. Um, but when it turns into the one or the other choice, which is what it's going to be, although there will be third party candidates, so I think we have to factor that in as well. Um, I think that you'll see the numbers from within the black community. I'm just going to tell you this, man, and this is the truth. And people, people on the right don't like to hear this. Every election cycle, certainly for the last uh, last couple of them, there has been this narrative of we're going to get a substantial increase of the black vote that will be meaningful to the Republican Party winning. And every election so far, we have been disappointed by all that all that noise. And the single most reliable voting demographic by far for Democrats, black voters, particularly black female voters in America. And that hasn't really changed. So, Here's the NBC poll that it goes to your point, Buck. This says this NBC poll that came out, I believe, on Sunday said that Biden has a 75 to 16 advantage over Trump with black voters. So massive. 
massive there. A couple of other things that, that also tied in there. Um, men are overwhelmingly breaking for Trump. Uh, men right now, according to this poll, plus 22 for Trump, Buck. 56 to 34. You just mean men, in, all, all men, right? all this men, not, yeah, all, all men. racial group men, uh, men are overwhelmingly Trump supporters, 56 to 34, according to this, um, this poll. Women, 50 to 40 in favor of Biden. So, and a lot of those people, obviously single women, but the gender, uh, the gender gap here, pretty, I mean, look, I mean, men, if men were just voting, right? If the men of America were voting for president, Trump would win every state. And some of you out there are like, your eyebrows are going up. I'm not kidding about that. Even New York and California, I legitimately believe, would go to Trump if only men were voting. Women, I mean, we're going to see a major gender shift. And this is why I keep saying for people out there who are like, I don't know why Clay keeps talking about a woman VP, whether it's Nikki Haley, whether it's Christy Noem, whether it's uh, Lee Stefanik, whether it's Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Marsha Blackburn, who I'm going to see tonight, who I really like. I'm a fundraiser for Dave McCormick. Tell her uh, I see, I'm Nashville. a big Marsha fan. I think she's great. great. She's great. Women are going to decide this election. And if Biden wins women in a big way, this is going to be a major issue. There is a huge gender imbalance right now based on this data. And men are saying we're with Trump. And women are saying, we don't like Trump. And I understand, by the way, every time I say this, and you know what's going to happen, Buck, I get blown up by women who say, I'm a woman and I love Trump. I get it. That I know. doesn't An- mean anecdotal, that you... Anecdotal feelings yes. don't change nationwide data, the which numbers. we all have to remember no matter what. Uh, look, I, it, it's, it's so early in this process. One thing that I, that I think, um, hasn't really even, what are the campaigns? I mean, we haven't seen really much of anything yet from either side about, yeah, but Trump, I guess, is just make America great again is the slogan still, or, you know, restore, you know, it's going to be a repetition of that. What's the Biden national slogan? Is there one yet? You know, what, what is the actual pitch for Joe? They're going to have to make one. I know everyone's going to say, oh, it's the Trump is Hitler. Yeah, fine. We know that, but we have to see what these campaigns are because I think right now, they're getting pretty deep into the mix here without really having a strategy. I want to hit you with that, Buck, because I was going through, I'm a nerd, I was going through the NBC poll data as it pertains to issues, right? Take away the candidates and just look at who do we trust on individual issues. And, Buck, at the bottom of the hour, I got some numbers on this, but the one I want to tease is this. Basically, threats to democracy, according to the NBC poll, is no longer registering as a win for Biden. I found that fascinating. Biden is only up among voters. Who do you consider a threat to democracy? 43 to 41. And that was a huge part of their 2022 campaign. The only real issue that Biden has a double-digit lead on is abortion. That's it. On the entire, everything that NBC polled voters on, who would be better on all these different issues? Biden only had a double-digit lead on abortion. Trump had a double-digit lead on five issues. And even that that democracy thing, which we all know our sacred democracy, how they're all going to grab their pearls and fall on that fainting couch, I think all these charges against Trump have made it harder to argue that uniquely Republicans are big threats to democracy. I think they have potentially cut the legs out from underneath that argument by trying to put Trump in prison for the rest of his life. Yes, I mean, they have acted, as I've said, they keep screaming about how crazy Trump is, and then they act like a bunch of people who are completely out of their minds. That's not confidence-inspiring. For for anyone who is persuadable one way or the other, if you're pointing the finger at the other guy saying, you can't elect him, he's crazy, and you're acting like a total loon, kind of undermines the argument. And with these legal challenges, first of all, aren't they even... uh, The Supreme Court's looking at the Colorado thing right now, right? I mean, can they take him off the ballot? They're trying to take him off the ballot in Colorado. This is Colorado and Maine. Do this? There is no and Maine. But if they were able to do this, there's no such thing as due process. Everybody, somebody can just say, "Oh, you can't run for president anymore because we say so." Effectively, because there's been no, he hasn't been found guilty of any crime, so they could just remove him from the ballot because they say so. 
I mean, that is true dictator third world nonsense. And Democrats think this makes them heroes? No. Normal people, emotionally stable people, not living in the mandatory delusions of the Democrat Party, they see this for what it is, Clay. No doubt. We'll take some of your calls, by the way, 800-282-2882. If you're in, in, in South Carolina, are you concerned about the low turnout, which would mean that a lot of people are still eligible to show up and vote in the Republican primary as well? You can't, not surprisingly, vote in both. So if you didn't show up for the Democrat primary, you are still eligible to show up and vote in Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump. Uh, think about that. Uh, vote with your wallet just as you would when you cast your vote at the ballot box. Support companies that support your views on America. Pure Talk, one of those companies. They want an America where self-sufficiency and self-reliance are rewarded and valued. They want an America where hard work is recognized as a good thing. And they want an America where entrepreneurs are motivated to innovate, where companies compete in a free market system for your business. Man, I love all this. And if you do, too, you need to be having your cell phone company with Pure Talk because uh, they'll provide you with phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network for half the price of the other guys. Unlimited plans started just 20 bucks a month. The average size family saves $1,000 a year. How much difference would $1,000 in your pocket mean? Uh, my just-turned 16-year-old son has a Pure Talk phone of his own. This is a veteran-owned company. I use them and trust them to stay in touch with my son. They employ a customer service team 100% based in the U.S. Here's how you get hooked up right now. Dial pound 250. Say Clay and Buck to join your fellow Americans and make the switch today. Again, dial pound 250. Say Clay and Buck and save an additional 50% off your first month with Pure Talk. Pound 250, say, Clay and Buck. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Voices of sanity in an insane world. Third hour, Clay and Buck kicks off right now. Thanks for rolling with us, everybody. We've got Bridge Colby joining, former Deputy uh, Assistant Secretary for Defense uh, for Strategy and Force Deployment at the Pentagon under the Trump administration, co-founder and principal of the Marathon Initiative. His book is Strategy of Denial... American defense in an age of great power conflict, uh, also known as denial. It's not just a river in Egypt. What's going on, Bridge? Good to have you. Hey, Buck. Great to be with you. Uh, so like, we got a bunch of foreign policy things. First off, I, I we mentioned at the top of the show, so uh, it looks like Kataib Hezbollah um, managed to break through our defenses in Jordan, killed a few Americans, wounded a few dozen more uh, Biden does some reprisal strikes. Does this is this just what it is, and does it stop here? What do you see happening? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's looking like it's stopping, and they've done more uh, strikes. The uh, the administration uh, over the weekend, including against the Houthis, and they're telegraphing. Uh, Sullivan said yesterday, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, said that they're they're going to do more strikes, and I don't see it really changing. The fundamental calculus uh, on the part of Iran or its proxies at this point. I mean, my view is, you know, look, they, they've killed Americans. Obviously, there needs to be effective reprisal, you know, kinetic, consistent with our focus on Asia and then also financial. But at the same time, I think we need to ask real hard questions about why we're leaving, you know, soldiers and other personnel all kind of in these lily pad bases, kind of like in Indian country and Syria and Iraq, possibly even Jordan. Um, you know, essentially as like hostages to fortune or hostages to escalation by Iran and its proxies, it just seems like a bad, because some of the critiques saying, oh, we should, you know, take it to Iran. I mean, look, we don't want a war in the Middle East, not because Iran's good, but we can't really afford one on multiple levels. Um, so, you know, we don't have enough missile defense to go around. Let, let's, let's think about rationalizing our posture there and, and looking at what we really need. I mean, do people, does the administration really have a compelling case for what a lot of these 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 uh, soldiers and these these posts are doing? I, I haven't really heard it. Bridge, when you look at, uh, in addition to what's going on in the Middle East, there's a big debate about how much more money we should give to Ukraine. Uh, the Senate bill out there would give them, I believe, it's sixty billion dollars more. Seems quite clear we've entered into a stalemate. Neither side is moving very much. There's minefields. There's trench warfare. Uh, it, it feels almost like the battle lines are fixed. Where is this going? Are we throwing good money after bad at this point in your mind? Is a negotiated peace where Ukraine gives up some territory inevitable? How would you assess as we begin shortly a third full year of Ukraine-Russia conflict? 
Yeah, I mean, I think $61 billion, uh, that's a lot of money, especially in a situation where, I mean, Jay Powell, I think, said over the weekend that our debt is becoming a real problem, and obviously Americans are feeling it. And we've spent a ton of money already in the last few years with the pandemic and so forth. I think that money would be far better invested in our primary challenge, which is China and Asia. And you'll hear advocates for this kind of funding say that you're going to we're going to deter China and Ukraine. That's just not true. And I think, you know, we can go into why that is. But if you're going to deter China or deal with China, deal with China directly uh, along the first island chain. And there's a, a relatively small amount of money in the supplemental that's going towards Asia. Representative Gallagher, the head of the China committee, called it a joke a few months ago. So I think our priorities are totally off. The Europeans need to take much more responsibility, and they are moving in that direction. They're they're actually doing more of countries like Germany. Obviously, they're very real and, and I think, serious and, and genuine and, and, I think, compelling concerns about the border provisions uh, as well. I mean, in terms of what's going on in the Ukraine, I think, you know, honestly, a stalemate might might not be the worst outcome. Um, General Zaluzhny, the, the the chief of defense or chief of the army, whom it appears President Zelensky is trying to fire, which seems, I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but he wrote a pretty sound op-ed actually over the weekend or, or late last week in CNN saying, look, we should shift more to the defense. Our partners are getting tired. There are shortages of weapons. The Russians have a lot more resources, and they're willing to use attrition. Let's use the advantages, technology, what we've learned, drones, to set up a defense. That seemed very prudent to me, pushing the, the Europeans to take the lead in supporting that. I think that could be a good basis for an eventual negotiation or compromise, whether it's formal or not. You know, it could be something like a stalemate, like in Korea. If, if they don't play their cards right and if Europe doesn't step up, it could be worse. I mean, I don't think it's impossible the Russians could make more progress, which would be bad. Um, but I think that, you know, realistically, there's going to be, and I mean, the administration has been telegraphing this for a while. That, I think, is some the only really plausible end game. you know, the kind of victory sort of mantra that we heard for a number of years. I mean, Russia, unfortunately, well, Russia is not going to go away as an NC. Putin, unfortunately, is not going to go away. So we're going to have to, you know, the Ukrainians are going to have to put up a stout defense in order to make negotiations credible and, and Putin's best option. And that's going to require somebody to step up. But it's not going to be the American taxpayer. The American taxpayer spent, I think, $113 billion on Ukraine already. That's way more. This is in Europe. So Europe should take primary responsibility for it. Speaking of Bridge Colby, uh, his book is Strategy of Denial. And uh, Bridge, I'm uh, wondering what your, your sense is of the enormous uh, win for Bukele in El Salvador. I mean, just for, for everyone uh, out there, uh, Bukele turned around El Salvador from being one of the highest per capita murder states in the world, really effectively a, a fiefdom of MS-13 and other drug gangs, and through this crazy idea known as really serious law enforcement against gangs, murderers, rapists, and thieves, he managed to make El Salvador actually a pretty safe country, not just a not deeply unsafe country. I think he won by 90% plus margins. What do you make of the Bukele victory in El Salvador bridge? And are other Latin American countries' populations watching that and thinking, hey, maybe we don't have to have like four of the top ten, you know, highest murder cities in the world? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, it sounds like I, I haven't followed it quite as closely, but I think that's the right. A couple things. I mean, one is, look, I mean, you hear out of Biden and his team and a lot of the Europeans all this talk about, you know, green trans revolution or the rules based international order. I think a lot of people, particularly in what's called the global south, they want to be safe. They want growing economies. They want reliable energy. They want government that's not that corrupt. Pretty straightforward stuff. And that's what we should be focused on. Working with countries, you know, a lot of the sort of left likes to go after, say, the Indian government, but they're delivering growing prosperity for well over a billion people. So I think that's a model that Americans can get behind and less behind the sort of lecturing everybody. And also it means that, you know, they're, they're partners. I mean, I think one of the things that, that conservatives can kind of, you know, sort of trumpet is like, the, you know, the left likes to present itself as the only ones who are popular abroad. I think it's a different model. They're in the model of the rules-based international or Tony Blinken going around and lecturing countries. Our model should be we work with countries to improve their sovereignty. You know, we're going to help people help themselves. And I think maybe that El Salvador result uh, shows some some evidence for the success of that model. Bridge, you just mentioned China. Um, I, I was doing some fun reading over the weekend. Japan's stock market peaked in 1989. 
and is just now, whatever it is, 35 years later, basically getting back to the level that it was in 1989. And if we had had this conversation in 1989, we would have been saying, man, Japan is a real threat on the economic uh, horizon. Instead, they collapsed. China is starting now. You may think this is crazy. Maybe you sign on to it a little bit to look a bit like Japan did, where they surge, but then they sort of freeze. And sometimes when you start to have a decline in power, population is going down, youth unemployment rate is very high in China, they haven't been able to really get their economy to that next proverbial next level to really compete with the United States. Does that make it more or less likely in your mind that they invade Taiwan? How would you assess China's potentially beginning of a decline of power there and how that could make things maybe more tempestuous? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, look, I don't have a crystal ball on that. Otherwise, I'd be investing and making a lot more a lot more money. But the I mean, I think, look, I think the Chinese economy is clearly meeting very serious headwinds and they're very real and they're not going to go away easily. Um, I think in order for China to change from the people that I think are most credible reading them, you know, they've got to make structural reforms that are going to be very difficult to do. Um, on the other hand, I don't count the Chinese out on a couple of reasons. I mean, look, there's a lot of talented people there. They've already broken. They're already at the forefront of a lot of leading technologies. They've made heavy investments in, you know, cutting edge things like electric vehicles, batteries, AI, et cetera. <laughs> you know, the list goes on. That's going to make them competitive going forward. It's worth thinking about, you know, Japan didn't really collapse. Like, there's still effective Japanese companies. You go to Japan, it's still a very rich country. If China ends up at that kind of level, it's going to be, I think, like three or four times the size of the American economy, something like that, maybe two, three times. So it's a little bit cold comfort. The other thing that I'm concerned about is the Chinese believe that a lot of, in particular, Xi Jinping believes that a lot of the reason why they're having these difficulties and why it's going to be worse in the future for them is because, and this is his word, we, the Americans and our allies, are strangling them. We're strangling their future economic growth. Now, that's a very d d d dangerous situation because the other analogy to Japan is Japan 1941, when we put an embargo on Japan without having a strong military, and the Japanese said, well, I'm being strangled here, so I guess my least bad option is to lash out and use military force and try to create a kind of an economic sphere that's under my control. I'm concerned about that possibility, especially because the Chinese have massive overcapacity of, like, industrial and other kind of production, that they need countries to eat, and there's increasing resistance to countries. Even as President Trump has, I think, you know, reasonably called for raising tariffs, Bob Lighthizer and others. But if China looks out and says, you know, hey, I'm going to have difficulty dealing with all this overcapacity, they might look for the sword. And so I think that's another reason why we need to be prepared. We can't predict what Xi Jinping is going to do. There's reasons why they might act. You know, in a bad economy, there's reasons why they might act in a good economy. But the, the the main problem is they're building up a military to do something, and they're actively preparing for it. Sam Paparo, who's up for the Indo-PACOM commander, he said the other day, people often talk about 2027. 2027 is just a target date for them. They might go before, they might go after, nobody knows. So we have to be ready today, tomorrow, in five years. I think that's the right approach. Bridge, some uh, states are taking action to limit Chinese-based uh, purchase of U.S. land. Uh, what do you, obviously, yeah, we don't want the Chinese buying land around, you know, sensitive military installations, stuff like that. But broader bans on owning land, even as it pertains to, say, agricultural production, farmland, things like that. Do you, do you think that that's the right move? And, and is that part of the process of decoupling from China economically? That's really one of the most important ways that we could defend ourselves over the long term from the Chinese Communist Party. Well, look, I think there's I think state level effort is is a really important um, uh, effort. In fact, there's a friend of mine who just started up a group called State Armor that is supposed to actually help states with legislation and so forth to, to kind of think about what they can do. You know, say, what if there's an invasion of, of Taiwan? I mean, we saw what happened in the pandemic. I mean, states are going to eat a lot of the results, even if they have very little power on the foreign policy level. They need to be ready. They need to have instruments. Land is one. I think there's a lot of regulatory issues. There's stuff on, like, cyber and electronic and water infrastructure. I mean, there was the big testimony by Chris Ray and a bunch of other poobahs the other day to the Select Committee on China pointing out the Chinese are all over our grids. You know, that's a state-level issue. So I think it's very important. I do think that decoupling, my big advice on the decoupling thing is, Look, I, will, I think we need to be decoupled, too. But 
to get back to my point about strangulation, I think we need to decouple strategically while we're also presenting that shield. Because what we don't want to do is try to decouple and then not give China a disincentive to strike out and then prevent us from decoupling. And this is my argument to a lot of people on the right who are saying, hey, like, forget about Taiwan, forget about Asia. It's not worth it. We can cut a deal with China. If we're stuck with like a North American market zone, that ain't going to do it because Canada and Mexico aren't going to cut it. And by the way, most South American countries trade more with China anyway. We've got to stay competitive. We have to prevent China from dominating the world's largest market area, which is Asia. We don't want to get in the war about it, but there's got to be a balance of power. And unfortunately, you know, as Trump and Reagan and many others, it's peace through strength here, but real peace through strength, which is to say build up the strength and then use it judiciously. Bridge, appreciate it as always. Encourage you guys to check out the strategy of denial, American defense in an age of great power conflict. Appreciate it, man. Great talk to you guys. I want to tell you about a new uh, advertiser we got here, Liberty Safe. They've always protected your guns and your valuables from fire and theft, but they also protect your privacy with an industry leading set of privacy protections. In fact, They've recently increased their privacy measures to lead the industry one more time. Electronic safe locks from most manufacturers have a code to allow access if you're locked out. But Liberty Safe makes it easy for you to change or disable that code anytime. They believe your safe is your business and Liberty Safe will help keep you that way. Shop at LibertySafe.com for a customized fortress strong Liberty Safe with one of a kind locking bars and Best-in-class fire protection. You're going to love having a safe in your home. And when you shop at LibertySafe.com, use the code RADIO for an extra 10% discount for supporting safes made in America by Americans. You'll also get a free $60 value locking pistol vault with your Liberty Safe purchase. That's from them to you. Again, LibertySafe.com. Use that promo code radio. Both Buck and myself have Liberty Safes. You can have one as well. Do it right now. LibertySafe.com. Use that code radio. That's LibertySafe.com. Code radio. The voices of sanity in an insane world. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills to date HealthLock has helped its members save over 130 million dollars bottom line insurance alone isn't enough to save visit healthlock.com do it today before you see another health care provider that's healthlock.com 
Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You'll get the same quality of service as AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, but for half the cost. The average size family saves almost $1,000 a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can keep your cell phone number and your phone or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values, who supports our military and veterans, creates American jobs, and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Go to puretalk.com buck to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com buck. I don't watch SNL got to be honest haven't thought it's good really since the uh dana carvey mike myers era uh phil hartman i mean there were a whole bunch of folks then but you know uh, that that was when snl was funny last so i think that's maybe 20 years ago maybe a little more than that if that's uh does that sound about right right the dana dana carvey mike myers era was like early late 90s early 2000s right i would think that's i think that's right yeah um and, and it hasn't been good as a program in a long time. It's actually been brutal in a lot of years because it's become just sort of left-wing orthodoxy with the occasional bad joke. Um, over the weekend, Nikki Haley decided... Now, this is... Let's dive into this a little bit. Nikki Haley, hmm, really? She's on SNL. This is 15. Let's hear what some of this appearance sounded like. Okay, our next question comes from someone who describes herself as a concerned South Carolina voter. Yes, hello. My question is, why won't you debate Nikki Haley? Oh, my God, it's her, the woman who was in charge of security on January 6th. It's Nancy Pelosi. For the 100th time, that is not Nancy Pelosi. It is Nikki Haley. Now, I, I, look, it wasn't particularly well done. I, I think we, we've had on this show friends of ours who do much better Trump impersonations than that guy. Uh, we've had, uh, what Captain Deplorable does a much better Trump. Yes. Um, the comedian who was on Shane Gillis, he does a better Trump impression, but put that, put that aside for a second. I think he was the host this week, right? This weekend. I didn't watch it, but I remember they, that's right. they, they wouldn't allow him to be a member of the cast buck because they said that he had done offensive jokes in the past. The, the, the entire idea of a comedian not being able to be employed as a comedian because at some point in time he's done jokes that somebody considered to be offensive actually makes me like the comedian more because comedians should be offensive sometimes. Like that's kind of the job. You should push the envelope. Yeah, I, I think so. Especially if you're if you're going to be the kind of comedian who offends some people, as long as you're trying to offend everybody and just make it funny, um, I I don't have a problem with that. Usually, comedians just offend you know believing Christians and you know Republicans and uh, white males, and this has become the they've become the butt of jokes for so many years. But I, I what I found interesting here is just that the uh, the Democrat hatred of Trump burns so brightly. That they will, will, will temporarily embrace even Nikki Haley for the purposes of scratching their anti-Trump itch. You know, they, they will, they will do whatever they have to do to elevate anyone who they think is, um, causing, uh, problems for Trump in any capacity whatsoever. This would be funny, Buck. I don't think he would do it. But what if Trump just said publicly, Hey, I'll guest host SNL? He absolutely should do it. They would never let him do it. They would not. But if he put out the idea, you know, hey, I saw you had Nikki Haley on. Joe Biden can't read off a teleprompter. I mean, Joe Biden trying to guest host <laughs> guest host Saturday Night Live would be incredible, riveting television talk because he can barely do anything, much less be funny. But if Trump put it out on Truth Social, if he just said, hey, I saw you had Nikki Haley on, I will guest host SNL. I will show up and guest host. Love to do it. Just let me know. They would set, would set off a panic because they would never let him on. The, all of the left that loves SNL would talk about how they're platforming Trump and ma- mainstreaming his racism and sexism and xenophobia. You know exactly that's how it would play out. I think it would end up being very beneficial to Trump because it would show how 
far outside the mainstream his detractors are. And I think it would play well for him to have a little bit of fun at their expense and basically call him out. Uh, because I well, think just, there's no way they'd let him guest host. Remember how upset they got at Jimmy Fallon, who my understanding is recently has gotten a little bit of a, a slice of humble pie because of the way his staff feels that uh, from his treatment. I, I saw that. I didn't realize that was a, yeah, you know, some of these guys, they managed to come across like, Oh, it's all fun and games. They're actually horrible. like everyone knew David Letterman was a mean guy, but I didn't know that Jimmy Fallon was considered to be a mean guy. Anyway, neither to his staff at least. Um, but remember when he, he tussled Trump's hair, people yes. were angry at, I, I don't just mean a few random people on the internet, the, the general Democrat cultural apparatus was angry at Jimmy Fallon because it was a humanizing moment for Trump and made him seem like a guy with a sense, with a sense of humor about himself. Um, Joe Biden is, is, is an imbecile who takes himself very seriously. Donald Trump actually does have a sense of humor. He, he yes. he's, well, he's quite funny. But he even has a sense of humor about himself, uh, and that's very endearing to people. And so they they recognize that even though that was just a, a brief moment, it was something that stuck with people. Nikki Haley, by the way, also, this was a, another moment from her appearance. She wasn't guest hosting, but she appeared on SNL. And here she is uh, talking about, remember how she was asked about the Civil War and, and didn't address slavery? This is 16. Play it. Okay, we have time for one more question, and it's actually for Ambassador Haley. <laughs> just curious what would you say was the main cause of the civil war um and do you think it starts with an s and ends with a lavery <laughs> yep i probably should have said that the first time and live from new york it's saturday night and it is also you and i could write a better comedy sketch than this that's that's the best that they can come up with the, the writing is just not good no, and I mean, the problem is, Buck, anytime you pull your punches in comedy, you can't be that good. That's why South Park, I think, is the most consistently funny show that has been on for years and years. Because, to your point earlier, you have to kind of consistently ridicule every direction. And as soon as you decide that you're not going to go in multiple directions in terms of ridicule, you're not really comedy anymore. You're propaganda. And when you become propaganda, you're often the enemy of humor. And that is where much of comedy in America has gone. I think comedians are afraid. Uh, I, I think uh, the, what they have seen happen with cancel culture means that they pull their punches in their jokes. How many comedians out there now get up on stage and say, hey, I'm not even going to allow you to have cell phones because they're afraid of, of moments going viral from their comedy sets. And I, I just come back to, if you get offended by a joke, Regardless of the joke, to me that's on you, right? Like, and, and I, I would like America more if we had even handed comedy like we did in the 80s and 90s. I think people in whole would like it. And really what happened to late night television, we've talked about on this show, Stephen Colbert's show stunk. He was in last place on CBS. Nobody was watching him. And then they decided, hey, we're going to turn this into a left-wing sport, I mean, a left-wing comedy program, and we're just going to ridicule Republicans. And his rating skyrocketed. And then everybody else followed him. And I, I think there's, I mean, you've seen with Greg Gutfeld, there's actually a huge percentage of people out there that just kind of want to laugh. I mean, Greg Gutfeld, Buck, it's kind of crazy. It doesn't get enough attention. Greg Gutfeld, his show on Fox News, has more nightly viewers than Kimmel, then Colbert, and then Fallon on ABC, CBS, and NBC. It's a pretty amazing testament to Greg Gutfeld's reach, but also to the demand out there that is not being sated. And by the way, as we go to break here, uh, Buck, I want to hit you with these numbers, and we can react to them a little bit. I've been teasing this for a while. Um, on NBC, this is NBC News poll that came out on Sunday. Who do you trust more on border security? Trump plus 35. Who do you trust more on the economy? Trump plus 22. Who do you trust more on dealing with crime and violence? Trump plus 21. Who do you trust more on being competent and effective? Trump plus 16. Who do you trust more on improving America's standing in the world? Trump plus 11. Who do you trust more on having the necessary mental and physical health to be president? 
Trump plus 23. Biden on protecting democracy, Buck, only plus two. He's got abortion, but even on protecting democracy, that's all fading. We'll react a little bit to that when we come back. Uh, but that, to me, stood out. Again, dealing with the issue of abortion, Biden plus 12. Not even that big of a favorite on abortion. But if you're wondering what their method and madness is going to be in the campaign, they basically lost the issue of Jan 6, according to this NBC poll. Abortion's going to be there. But Trump is winning every major issue by 15, 20, even 30 or 35 points. Pretty extraordinary. I agree. Extraordinary stuff. And uh, important that everyone keep it in mind going forward. And also important that uh, we do a read here, Clay. Do you, have, do you have the read or do I have the read? I was like, I think, I, I think you, I think you have the read. I knew you were stalling there and it got me nervous because I'm like, wait a minute, is this supposed to be me or is it supposed to be you? All I'm right, here we go. In. It is you. You're going to love working with Legacy Box, everybody. I thought it was Clay. I was about to yell at him, but turns out it was me. <laughs> Legacy Box is amazing. Hey, it's like Look, my, my marriage. Yeah, my my wife, uh, her family just did Legacy Box over the holiday. Um, and they make the, they make it so easy for you because they send you the box in the mail. And what it, what it does is it lets you put in all your old photos, film reels, uh, video, VHS, Betamax, whatever you got, and they digitize it all for you. And you, you need to do this stuff because old photographs are fading, getting ripped. They're, um, you know, they get destroyed over time. Same thing with VHS. Plus, who has a VHS player these days? So where are you going to watch these old videos? You gotta digitize them and it's so much fun and it's a way that you can enjoy family memories for years, even decades to come. So go to Legacy Box now and they'll do this all at their facilities in Tennessee. In a few short weeks, you'll get back everything you've sent along with brand new digital files. They're easy to click on, easy to share and certainly easy to watch and rediscover all those memories again. A million and a half families have trusted Legacy Box with their big project. You can trust them as well. Get started at legacybox.com slash buck. You'll save 50% off their regular prices. Legacybox.com slash B-U-C-K. Clay and Buck, 24-7. Subscribe today. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty show to start listening. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies from the Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.